It's episode 122 of the Presentable Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Bean. Today on the program are Cattell Ledoux and Lisa Maria Marquis. They're the authors of the new book, You Should Write a Book, and we're going to discuss the process of sharing what you know and the power of a public persona. Hey, thanks for being on the program. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. It's really nice to be here. Oh, I'm so pleased to have you here. You know, like I spent a lot of my time in my career designing tools for doing design. And I always thought that was pretty meta. But then <laughs> I think you may have taught that uh, by writing a book about writing a book. So well done. Yeah. It's our I, goal. <laughs> it's, yeah, it really is. When people ask me, I say, you know, I just finished writing a book and they're like, what is it about? And I'm like, writing a book. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, okay. But yes, it's, I, I feel like it's uh, us walking the walk. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because you both have backgrounds in publishing, right? You have both. Uh, uh, I don't, why don't you tell me, actually, Lisa, uh, go ahead. You, I know you've written a sure. book. Sure. I, ha I have written a book. This is, this is my second book, my first right. co-authorship, um, which is very exciting. And uh, uh, I have a background in writing, editing, speaking, publishing, design, you name it. I've probably tried it. Uh, but it, it, that work, uh, both, both as a designer, as a, as a consultant, as an editor, as a publisher, everything kind of comes together in, in a book like this, uh, could tell. Yeah. Uh, same. I've been in publishing for, uh, looks at watch really, really long time. Um, <laughs> I've seen a lot change, which has been really cool and also, um, weird at times, but yeah, I've been, um, publishing books for about nine years. Um, and this is the first time I've actually written one. Um, and it's been really exciting, um, as Lisa Maria said, to be in a co-authorship. That is just an amazing experience. But I've been in publishing. I have an English degree, a photography degree, which <laughs> weirdly still comes in handy. I take photos of all the books. Um, but yeah, I've been, yeah, writing and publishing. And we should mention that you have been uh, kind of running things over at a book apart. Uh, and we have had many uh, book apart uh, authors on this program. Um, and the stuff you write about, it's the stuff our listeners list are, are doing every day. So I think there's a lot of familiarity there. So, um, so that's great. That, um, yeah. That, uh, what, imprint? Is that what you call it? It's not a label. Yeah, publishing house, imprint. <laughs> publishing it's sort house. of interchangeable. It's just, yeah, that's that's correct. <laughs> it is a it is a remarkable body of work, right? Like if you look at like the full range of what you've covered, it really has been sort of a, a roadmap to the a design career or a career in the web, uh, let's say. Um, it's really really impressive. We think so. We think so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, thank you for saying it, but yeah, no, we 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 like to think that we've helped a little here yeah. and there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing to kind of look back at the, you know, the, the last 10 years plus and see where we started with, you know, really practical, almost centering around how to with mm. narrative, but, and, and a little bit of, you know, uh, personality and the character in terms of getting the work done, but it's really evolved into this thing where we're focusing a lot around how we work and and sort of who we are in the work in addition to what we're doing. And I think that has just been such a cool evolution. Um, and, and we hope a, a good evolution of that body of work. For sure. For sure. Um, all right. So the book is called, you should write a book. So, uh, I guess the question is why? <laughs> <laughs> 
So many reasons. So many reasons. I think the the driving force behind that, I mean, because first of all, you, you should write a book. Everyone should write. Everyone who's inclined should write a book. Yeah. Um, and and I think the driving force behind why we're what we're trying to answer with that is is because the more voices we can elevate in this industry, the more well-rounded this industry becomes. Um, the more people we can bring to the table and and share their perspectives and really showcase the diversity of the tech industry, the better the tech industry can become. Books are one of the best ways. It's not the only way, but it's one of the best ways to share your work, your insights, what you've learned uh, in your career, in your job, in your role. And the more people we can encourage to to take that step, take that leap and and actually try for a full manuscript, try for a publication. Um, that's exciting. That's exciting to us. That's exciting to the readers. That's that's exciting to the whole industry. I just want to add that it I think it has also always seemingly felt like an an impossible feat to write a book. A book is you know, a really huge project. And it is, I, there, I want to acknowledge that it's scary. Um, It is scary. And it's thrilling when you get to actually do it and see what it's like. And I think one of the reasons we really wanted to do this too, was to kind of break open this mystique around writing a book and, you know, the ramp up to doing it and, and, and feeling certain that you could, that there are really practical pieces to even getting to that point that you feel ready. Um, that it's not just, I have the only unique idea in the world about something that is not what book writing is really about. So that felt like a big piece of this too, is like, we know a lot of stuff about this. Let's tell people, let's share it. (laughs) That's right. That's great. I had, uh, the privilege of writing a couple of books early in my career, kind of the when I say privilege, like being at the right place at the right time with the right skills and the right yeah. stuff to say. Um, and it fit into my career in a way that I, that I, I'm wondering, I'd love to, to ask you if it, if it's still relevant. So I, um, I had been doing writing online, uh, very early. We're talking 25 years ago. Like this is 1998. I wrote the first one in 2000. I wrote the second one and sort of getting the, the, having the ability to write the book kind of Started, then I started getting offers to speak at places. Oh, you wrote that book. Well, come speak at our conference about that, right? And doing that really did was sort of the gateway to be able to start a design agency because I had sort of built a, you know, kind of nano celebrity, you know, famous among dozens sort of thing, right? But enough such that, um, we could say like, you know, you could see the on the website, oh, that wrote this book, spoke here, did that kind of thing credible enough to, for us to hire him as a, as a consultant. And, um, and it really was, I mean, it was an incredibly painful experience. We could talk about that, in a <laughs> bit. the process of the book and, and the how of it, but the why really did, I, I felt like was, was, um, you know, a catalyst in my career. Um, and so I, I, I would imagine many people, out there who are, you know, practicing design every day and or, or managing design teams or things like that, thinking, okay, uh, this sounds great. Would that still work? Hmm. It's, it's an interesting, I'll say, I feel like my career was the opposite of yours. Okay. <laughs> because <laughs> no, it's true because I, I, I started by 
um, going independent, right? Like I, I quit my job and was like, I'm going to freelance full time, uh, which is not quite the same as starting a design agency, I will grant, but essentially doing my own thing, right? And then from there, got speaking gigs. And then from there, wrote a book. So literally took the same steps as you, but in the opposite order. So I don't know if that speaks to different times, like the times have changed and, yeah. and or if it's more that you can do it in any order you want. And some of these things build on each other. You know, a lot of times we get authors coming in, um, maybe their first time authors pitching us books, but they've been giving a talk on their topic at the conference circuit. They've been sharing that work, or maybe they're someone who has just been writing a lot of blog posts or putting up a lot of articles in, in smashing or, or UX matters or whatever. Um, and they've just got a, a body of work that they can coalesce into a book. It's rare to see someone approach writing a book with nothing, right? With, mm. with no speaking, with no writing, no, no kind of development, because that's where you develop those ideas. You, you, you can't really coalesce your ideas into a manuscript form if you've never put them out there at all. Because I think just like with design work, um, writing benefits from, from being shared, from communicating outward and getting feedback and getting responses and you iterate and you keep going. So that's, that's very much, I think it's not so much about where you are in your career as much as it is. Do you feel confident in your ideas? Do you feel comfortable sharing your thoughts on this topic? I think it's almost like what, what I hear from you, Jeff, is that it, as a catalyst, it was sort of at this specific point in your career and, you know, listening to Lisa Maria, what I feel like what I, what we see is that it's at, it, it depends on what point it is at people's career, where, whether it's like a, you know, I want to take my expertise to the next level or be known for a certain thing in a specific area and, you know, potentially make a little bit more money or a lot more money, you know, speaking and, and doing workshops or that kind of thing, or you're in a place where you're experimenting a little bit more and you're, you kind of want to put an idea out there to see what kind of traction it gets so that you can maybe experiment in a different place. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 It does. Um, it, yeah, that does, that does, that is helpful. I think, um, again, mine were so long ago, there was no social media. There weren't even blogs. I mean, honestly. Um, so the idea of essentially building an audience and testing those ideas first, uh, was not something then, uh, you know, that I, that I really had access to, but so much more now. It's, it's definitely different. And, and the conferences were different back then too, right? Like the conference culture that has come up in the last 10, 15 years, mm. um, really creates a different point in people's careers, both as speakers and as attendees, then I, I, I would guess, I think it was different in 2000. <laughs> I think it was. There, were, so different. there yeah. were giant trade shows, you know, with booths, with, pe you know, people handing out swag and it was, you know, they were computer conferences and we're going to have this, this track on the web. Like the whole web would be, you know, one day of six talks, stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, it's really interesting too. I feel like it, writing a book or writing, um, putting a body of work into the world in writing is just this incredible way of giving people insight into sort of who you are and, and how you do that work. Right. I mean, the closest thing I could even compare it to is, is a design portfolio, which <laughs> I feel like that's probably, that's probably evolved quite a bit at this point. I don't even know if that's, you know, people really do that like traditionally anymore. Um, but it gives people a sense of just what you care about. Yeah. Yeah. 
think it, it lets people spend time with your ideas in a way that a conference talk, a slide deck, a blog post doesn't. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of value to be gained from conferences, from attending them. And there's a lot of value to, to be gained from even looking at a, a speaker slide deck, you know, later on, on SlideShare or whatever, you can go through people's material, but when you have it in a book, whether that's print or digital, you can, you can just exist within it and you can really explore it and come back to it and bookmark it and highlight it and do whatever you need to do to really like embody that in a way that I think other media doesn't necessarily greet you. So that's one of, I think, the exciting things about a book. Well, I really agree with that too, because I have been these past few years, especially during lockdown, very deliberate and intentional about spending time reading books. Um, and I know a number of my friends and colleagues have done the same, um, probably because there's, you know, so much more time uh, when we're not out in the world like we used to be, but also, you know, a sort of lack of nourishment f by reading, you know, bullet point medium articles and mm -hmm, social mm -hmm. media all day uh, that I think you're right. It really is a time to, even if you get all that content from five medium articles or something like that, you can mm -hmm, still mm -hmm. like spending the time in the ideas for a while, for a couple of weeks, maybe, or, you mm -hmm, know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think you do make a, a really good point there. So let, let's talk about all the fears. Like, let's just get that out of the way first. <laughs> oh, there's um, so many. Uh, there's oh, a man. lot. Look, I, I can still remember way back then, sitting at the keyboard, my hands not moving with it. Like, I'm not saying anything new. Everybody knows this. I had this fear that people would say like, is this a book for kids? Like, you know, like, <laughs> that, like uh, you know, everybody knows all this already and uh, all of that. So you know, there's a lot of inner critic work you got to do. To, there, to oh, so much. You And you just named like a whole bunch of them, like the big, the biggies right off the bat. Yeah. I think it's, it's, uh, there's, there's obviously already been something published about this. This mm -hmm. don't, everyone already knows this content. Uh, I'm writing it for the wrong people or the wrong people are going to read it. The right people are going to read it and they're going to make fun of me. <laughs> they're going to judge me. I'm not good enough. Who am I to write a book? Do I really have the skills and qualifications? I'm not a thought leader. Should I really be doing this? There's what did I, what did I miss? Oh, there's, um, there's, I don't have time, uh, <laughs> which that's a tricky one. That's a real one. Uh, that is but, a real one, but not having time, you know, like I don't want to start a project if I, you know, if I, if yeah. it might get derailed, I don't want to start a project if it's not going to be perfect. There's a lot of perfectionism that, that goes into some of those mm. fears too. I think, um, finding the, the flexibility to, to write about your work. There's some protection there too. Like, can I say this about my client or can I say this about my, my employer? Um, what am I, what am I missing? Katel, did I miss anything? Well, no, I think you named all of the ones that, you know, we, we really focus on in terms of, you know, our, our own stuff. And then there's of course, you know, societal and cultural and system <laughs> things that are in the way, like, you know, gatekeeping, gatekeeping to publishing and not knowing where to start, not knowing if you need to know someone or know the right route. And, just not having the capacity to do it, not being able to find the time because you are working all the time, right? And you need time to write. And how are you going to make that happen? So if we're not, if we're not looking at sort of like the environments in which we're we're writing and wanting to write, um, that's a that's a big part of it too. Yeah, interesting. It reminds me of the uh, you know the Stephen Stephen King book on writing, um, <laughs> where he. 
where he talked about early in his career, he got a job uh, in the laundry room at a hotel, literally like unloading all day long because he could think up, think about the stories all day and then come home and type as fast as he could and collapse. Right. But the, uh, the idea of like doing knowledge work all day long, decision making, creative, you know, creative process all day long and then trying to find the time. But but lots of people do it. So, yeah. yeah. So you mentioned um, gatekeeping and uh, in, in publishing. And, and I wonder, like one of the first questions I think a lot of people might have if they get over, like, can I do it? Is like, will anyone publish me? Is this one of those situations where like, you know, publishers get a hundred submissions a day and they choose one a month, right? Or, or, or I, I don't even know. And then that kind of leads into, or can I just do it myself these days? Can I just stick some, uh, you know, a PDF up on Amazon or whatever? Yeah. I, I think that is one of the biggest, uh, you know, sort of challenges in publishing today, especially with big, large publishers. That is absolutely the case. They're getting inundated with pitches and, you know, ultimately they're trying to serve their markets and their stakeholders. And that's, you know, that's a, a whole piece of it. And I think when we can speak from our point of view as an independent publisher, where we have a little bit more, um, I think, leeway in how we work with authors, you know, what, what time, what kind of time we're going to invest in, um, you know, working with folks on the proposal process, that has been something that we've found to be incredibly invaluable. Um, and, you know, we are a small press, so we only publish between five and eight books a year. So we're taking that into account. Um, but what I love about what we talk about in the book is that self-publishing and working with smaller presses has become so much more ubiquitous. I think like we we really wanted to get to the idea that publishing a book feels like there's only one shot to do it and it creates this scarcity mindset. And we wanted to kind of try to dispel that a little bit. That, you know, even if you if you go through the pitching process, that is an incredible amount of work that you're doing to write a book. And you could publish that book. There are so many ways to do that yourself. I think the other thing, and Lisa Marie, you should jump in here too, like with, it always feels like there's this chasm between I'm going to self-publish this like little old book who will anybody care about? And then like, you know, quote, being published and, and whatever value that carries with it. There's so much in between because you know, yeah, maybe you shouldn't just like write whatever first comes to your mind and then publish it, you know, first drafts, like <laughs> that's a totally. real thing. Yep. And, and, you know, we, you're probably embarrassed of it. If you work with an editor, there's later, there's a much better draft and, and that's what we want to get to, but there's all these ways to, you know, work with an editor, do some polishing, get a, get a minimum amount of, sort of like polished to a thing that you want to put out into the world and you can be a published author. Yeah. I will, I will add that. Um, I think the pitching process is very overwhelming for a lot of folks, right. Um, partially because they don't know how it works. They don't see what's going on in the back end. They don't see what's happening, uh, and on the publisher side. Um, and, and partially because it can be really discouraging to get a rejection and to feel like a publisher saying no is some kind of referendum on not only your book idea, but you as a person, as a professional, um, especially in a, in a technical field where, you know, if you're pitching a book about your work, 
so much of our identity is tied up in that work and it's very hard to sort of separate it and, and understand that they're not saying you're bad and they're, they're not saying your idea is bad. Uh, and unless they are, sometimes they are, but, but mostly <laughs> what they're saying is, is this isn't a good fit for this publisher at this time. And right. it could be that your book idea is perfect for a different publisher, or it could be that you just need to change something about it or reframe it or rewrite it. I mean, honestly, we've seen pitches come in that, it, it feels like someone just threw it together and it, it it wasn't thoroughly developed and there were lots of spelling mistakes and they go back, they make another pass at it and it's, it's perfect and it fits great. And, you know, it, so yeah. just, you never know what it is exactly, unless the publisher shares with you what that feedback is. And some publishers don't, um, we try to, we try to provide feedback when we reject people. Um, we try to say, Hey, this is, this is great, but it's, it's not what we publish or, Hey, this is a good idea, but you need to take it in a different direction. We try to provide some feedback so that, authors can make a more informed decision about what they want to do with that book, whether that's approaching a different publisher, revising their pitch and bringing it back to us or Mm -hmm. self-publishing because there are so many different fits for so many different ideas. And it's just about finding the right, the right lineup of those factors. So um, self-publishing is, uh, I don't know. I, I, have this image from, you know, prob- probably very outdated image, but self-publishing is like when your uncle has some weird ideas about World War II, <laughs> you know? And like That's outdated. That's outdated. Okay. Okay. All right. That I wanna... stands. That's not going mean... to stand around here. <laughs> that, that probably is still happens, but. <laughs> right. It does, listen, it does still happen. I literally have a book on my desk right now from my uncle who wanted to put some weird ideas in a book. So it happens. Right. It happens. Okay. It happens. <laughs> oh my goodness. But there's so many other avenues, so many ways of doing it. And I think especially, and Cattell can probably speak more to, to self-publishing um, uh, roots, but in the tech world in particular, because we are all so good at internet, uh, we are, we are, I think, well-positioned to create and release books um, for readers on our own. We are really well positioned to do that. We have the skills. We have skills for laying out a book. We have skills for putting it up on the web. We have skills for marketing online. We, just by being web workers, a lot of us come to the table with that already. So um, we're already going to do a better job than our uncles. Okay. <laughs> like I just, I promise that. I promise that. Um, I think there's, there's a really good example. I don't mean to call out anyone individually, but this is a positive call out. So I'll, I'll go ahead and do it. Um, Stephanie Morillo is a, uh, a, I think she's like a content strategist for developers is kind of how she pulls herself. Um, and she wrote a book recently uh, called the web developers guide to publishing a book or I might've gotten the title wrong there, but it's fantastic. It's so good. And she published it herself and it's available on her website. And you just go to the website, you give her some money, you download the book. It's there, you can read it. And it's so packed with good ideas. And I I think she approached a book apart to publish it. And, you know, it wasn't the right fit for us at that time, but we were, we told her, this is such a good proposal. This is such a good idea for a book. And if you are committed to this idea, we want to see you do this. And she went ahead and did it. And like, thank God, because I think the internet is better for having that book out there. Mm-hmm. And just by being who she is and the experiences she has, she was able to really go to go to the table and, and make that book happen for herself and for her readers. And that's amazing. That's fantastic. I feel like we we know several people like that. And to me, that's so encouraging. Like Kat yeah. Ellis is another person who, yeah. you know, she wrote a book um, uh, about uh, adult friendship, essentially. And she released it at literally like right before the pandemic, um, you know, quarantining started to happen in 2020. And 
it was really interesting. I mean, the whole, I think the, the title is we should get together, I believe. And, um, it was sort of this kind of amazing thing where she put it out to the world. It was a real, you know, a real, uh, it came in paperback. It was in ebook, you know, it was available everywhere. Books are sold as they say. <laughs> and then that, you know, that spring when everyone was staying home, she actually like quickly released a uh, sort of like a, a follow-up and addendum, um, which was all about virtual relationships. And like, to Lisa Maria's point, like, it's so cool. We, we do know how to do this. And we have so many opportunities to kind of say, like, what do we want this to look like? It doesn't have to look like the thing that we've always seen. And, and when you're self-publishing, you have the freedom to do that, too. Yeah. Like, you're not bound by, um, you know, your, your traditional publisher's whims <laughs> or budgets <laughs> or resources or timelines. Like, you can just decide, hey, I want to release new content. I want to yep. add this. I want to change that. I want to do something different. And that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. All right. I will update my biases. <laughs> that's right. Uh, let's take a little break. We'll come right back. Um, we, I want to tell you about our good friends at Pingdom from SolarWinds. Uh, they've been a uh, a supporter of the show for a long time. We're very grateful for that. And they, uh, they have a simple question, which is, uh, while you've been listening to this podcast, would you know if your website had gone down and customers couldn't click buy buttons or fill out forms or download trial versions? Uh, you need something to uh, tell you when that everything is running smoothly on the site or especially uh, when it isn't. And that's what uh, Pingdom does. So uh, they have this crazy statistic that they, in all the websites they're tracking, they find 13 million outages every month. That's 400,000 times a day that somebody's website goes down for some reason. Uh, and they've got a plan that for just uh, $10 a month, they'll uh, make sure that you know if your site ever has any problem. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company, uh, you can get real-time alerts about critical issues. And get it by SMS or email or uh, Slack or any of the other collaboration apps. Uh, all of the notifications come up. You can point them to who should the right person. Uh, that can those roles can change over time. It's really very powerful. Uh, so if you have a website, then go sign up for Pingdom. Let's see, Pingdom.com/slash/relayfm is where you go. Uh, and if you do it now, they have a 30-day free trial, and you don't even need your credit card. And then when you sign up, if you to to pay, if you use the code Presentable at checkout, you get 30 percent off your invoice, which is amazing. So thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right. You, you said something about the self-publishing, uh, which is really interesting, which is that you can release more content, um, which is also true if you publish a book. Um, it's one of the things I found really interesting by like this collection of kind of contemporary authors that have a real back and forth with their audiences, right? There's... Um, there's some great uh, fiction authors that really embrace fan fiction, you know, and like, um, and, you know, spotlight people who are all, take the characters and go other places and stuff like that. But also um, technical authors who, you know, also have like elaborate websites with lots of code examples and are, you know, there's uh, like, join me on Patreon or, or come to my Discord and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's a, it really is like, a book as a, maybe a snapshot in time of an evolving story. Absolutely. And I think that's very, that's very internet, right? Like this yeah. is very much a, a product of the internet being what it is, where there's conversation now. It used to be very, like books used to be very push, right? Like it's mm. like you put it out into the world 
and that's it. And you know, maybe your fans write you letters. I don't know. Like, right. <laughs> I, did they write you letters in 2000, Jeff? Right. Did they do that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I did get like letters sure. in the mail. Right. But it's also, <laughs> that's, you know, that's that's the last time it probably happened. Like, right. we, we don't right. we don't write letters in the in the post. We should we should get back to that and support the USPS. But right. uh, what we really have now is is we have a more dynamic conversation. We have more back and forth between. Um, creators and fans. And this is actually a much larger conversation than we have time to get into right now because fandom is its own whole thing. My goodness. I, and I speak as someone who has a few toes dipped in a few different fandoms. Um, it's, there's just a lot going on there. That's very interesting to watch, uh, whether we're talking about, um, fiction writers who utilize Tumblr or people who are just extremely on Twitter or, um, fandoms where, where you're talking about like YouTube creators on Patreon, like there's all these different methods. Um, so there's, I think I haven't seen, uh, too much yet in the tech space, but I think there's a lot of interesting stuff coming up. I think you mentioned some folks in discord, some folks on Patreon. I've seen that. So there's, there's some interesting opportunities there, um, for how people can, how, how writers can put their work out there and then hear feedback, hear communication, hear things that might change their perspective or make them want to respond. Um, and, and that's neat, I think. Yeah. I feel like this is like tangential, but what I feel like what we've seen too is as writers, as authors write their book, they discover more about the thing that they're writing about. Um, I, you know, Laura Hogan comes to mind where, you know, she runs a coaching consultancy and, a lot of the things that she was writing about in the book, I believe were, were, were things that people were asking her quite a bit about. So she was able to kind of extract that and say, maybe I should make this like its own thing, this own resource, its own workshop um, as a thing that I can offer to clients. And I think that's really cool too. Yeah. Yeah. That does. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the process, right? we we the like sitting down with 300 blank pages in front of me and, and oh. feeling overwhelmed or whatever like that's <laughs> no. that's it. that's that's the the sort of the the image that comes to mind of like a bu- the whole book I got to write you know that kind of thing but i have uh read a lot of books about writing by writers <laughs> and all of them say you got to write every day you just got to you just got to write so i don't know uh, you, no. how do we connect those two things <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't, you don't have to write yeah. every day. I'll, I'll say that. Um, no, there's, there's a lot out there. Uh, there's a lot out there. Um, there are a lot of books about how to write. There are yeah. a lot of books about process. People really want to know about this because, um, I think there's this idea that there's a, there's a, there's a key. There's like a magic. If we could just figure out what the right recipe is, then we could all be, um, bestsellers. Um, and, and that's not true. Um, I, I think there are certainly habits that one can cultivate that that provide benefits. I think writing every day is a great one. You know, there's there's nothing but benefit to to creating a, a habit of writing daily. But that's not the only way to write something. Um, if if that's not your style, if that doesn't fit with your lifestyle, if that doesn't feel right to you, then like that's you don't want to work against the current. You got to know what works best for you, and you got to lean into that. I don't write every day. I I just don't. It's not the way I operate. Um, I tend to be more like, let me write 
consistently for four or five days and then ignore it for two or three weeks and then get back to it again. That's sort of how I, I roll. And that's how I wrote my first book, uh, Everyday Information Architecture. That's how I tended to work on, on uh, you should write a book. And it's how I tend to work on like newsletters and blog posts too. That's, that's how I work. Um, but everyone's got their own thing. Everyone's got their own system. And um, I think you can learn from other authors and from other successful authors, what has worked for them. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's the way to do it or the only way that it can happen. And staring at a blank page is awful. Oh, it's like, the worst. No, I mean, it's <laughs> truly awful and, you know, dread inducing. And I think a piece about that is I tend to forget that I can organize myself to get to a, a better place of, of wanting to write and having some of it flow. And that feels like a common challenge where we feel like we have to sit down at the blank page and start writing from start to finish. And that's rarely the case, right? Like if we take a moment and just take a step back and say, what are the, what are the big things I want to write about? Like what's missing? What do, you know, what do I need to gather or research or whatever? We can start to build a little bit of a scaffolding and we can, we could talk to you about outlines until we're blue in the face because we love outlines. (laughs) And not everyone, you know, not everyone likes outlines and that's totally okay. There are different ways to work, but I don't know. I just, my like practical, logical side of my brain kicks into like, what if I felt a little bit more organized? Like that, that could help me feel a little bit more ready. I think too, to, to build on that people, people should write about what they are moved to write about. Yeah. So when you sit down and you look at that blank page, like, of course, like there's nothing for you to hook onto there, but if you look at your I don't know, your outline, your proposal, your mind map, whatever tool you're using to to organize your thoughts and think through what it is you want to write about. If if there's something in that that you're like I don't want to write about this, why is it in there? You know, like you if you if you care and you have passion about a topic, you're going to want to sit down and and put those words out if you've got an idea for a book. So, you know, write write the thing that's moving you and if that means you're starting in the middle of chapter 3, then start in the middle of chapter 3, you know, and and write bits there and then jump into chapter 5 and see what what grabs you there and then go back and write the introduction and no one's going to be upset about that. That's your process. Run with it. You know, the 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 process also uh I felt sort of very isolated while I was doing it, but that isn't always the case as you two are a good example. So, uh, I don't know, Lisa Maria, you've done both, right? Yes. Uh, with a co-author <laughs> without like uh, what's uh, talk about the difference. What's oh like? gosh. Um it's funny cuz they're both solitary in their way. Um writing with a co-author doesn't mean we're pair writing. We're not writing at the same time. Often we're working on sort of separate chunks of the book. There's more back and forth when you have a co-author. There's there's more opportunity to sort of bounce ideas around and and share things and and learn from each other. There were so many instances where we would be editing our work and uh, come across something that the other one wrote and say, hey, I have this idea for how we could change this or add something in. And it was really neat to get that, that Cattell and I definitely broke the book up into chapters that we each kind of tackled um, for the drafts, but we both participated in the editing process on all the chapters. And so there was a lot of um, really good, I don't, I don't want to say synergy. There was good synergy. <laughs> I'm sorry. It. There was synergy. Um, but, but yeah, we, we look, Cattell and I work really well together. That's why we wrote, a, we decided to write a book. Like we have been working together for years. I, I think it's a lot harder for folks who maybe, um, don't don't work with someone to jump into a book together. Like the, we knew how we would work together. We knew we'd be on the same page with a lot of things. We knew we had the same goals. 
We knew we had the same attitude. We knew we had the same approach. And that's what made that process work. But aside from that, the drafting is still, you're still on your own. You're still, you're still by yourself in your, in your four walls and, and your skull and just in there by yourself. And that's another reason. Oh gosh, I'm jumping all over the place here, but this is another reason why it can be really wonderful to have an editor, even if you're self-publishing to find an editor so that you can have some of that, that push and pull, some of that brainstorming, some of that space to, to reflect. That's, what's great about editors, co-authors, the whole thing. I was going to say, I think that's, that's what this points to is not, you know, yes, editing, absolutely working with someone who can be a, I don't want to say a thought partner, but you know, sounding board, a, sounding, a sounding board, board <laughs> uh, you know, a reflector, uh, anything like that. And it doesn't necessarily always or only have to be an editor, but finding someone you, you have to share your work. You, <laughs> do. you know, that's the secret. It's like, it is solitary. You are going to spend time alone writing, but there are ways you can share that with folks. And I, and we promise it becomes a better piece of writing through that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good advice in many, many regards. Uh, not, not just in the strict publishing not just process, writing. but yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. <laughs> so does this make sense financially? Is there uh, <laughs> is there money in publishing these days? Gosh, Ooh. gosh, we'd love to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so no, <laughs> like, short answer is no. Short answer is no. Um, don't don't write a book to get rich. Um, it's not going to happen. Uh, but <laughs> you can make some money. You can make some money. I, I, I love how. <laughs> We're being so careful here. We're dancing around right. it so carefully. I think it's it's important to note that um, publishing as an industry um, has a scarcity mindset, right? Yes. That that there's and and sort of for good reason. There has been nothing but a lack of resources over the last twenty years. The traditional publishers have operated with a sense that the internet is coming for them. And it's been hard for a lot of traditional publishers to adapt to the way readers read now and to kind of like embrace new technologies and find ways of going along with that. Instead, they're just like, oh, there's no readers anymore. And oh, there's no money. And we're just going to throw all the money at at SEO and <laughs> and we're not gonna we're not gonna work on the content. I I don't know. There's a lot of problems in the industry, um, uh, whether we're talking about news publications or book publishers or whatever. That being said, um, smaller publishers and um, non-traditional routes and self-publishing, like there are lots of ways to there are lots of ways to manage that, and there are lots of ways to find um, like if you self-publish. That's yes, you're putting the money in up front for some of that, but then you're also recouping all the costs as you sell that book. So, you know, that's one way to do it. Um, small tech publishers like us um, offer different kinds of royalty structures that, depending on who you go with, might be some might be better than others. Um, so, it's important to sort of do some research if you're interested in publishing with a traditional publisher, um, whether that's a small independent publisher or a mainstream publisher. Find out who else is published and ask them what cut was why not yeah, it's just absolutely. like salary transparency right like find out what they what they got paid and find out where what different publishers are paying you know we we know a book apart pays better than others we know that we're not gonna we're just saying we know that um <laughs> like like people need to talk about this so that it's it's not a big mystery so that it's not a big secret like find out what it is that that people are making off their books um 
I don't know. I've, I've rambled a bit. Cattell, do you want to add anything to that? Oh, I mean, I just want to add too that like there, yes, revenue and money from writing and publishing a book comes from selling that book, but it also comes from things that come out of that. Right. So like I said, you know, earlier on, like maybe you are keynoting conferences instead of or not instead of, but, you know, in addition to just, just speaking at them um, or you're getting bigger clients or you're, or you're raising all your rates because you wrote a damn book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think um, earlier when I used the word catalyst, it was kind of alluding to that, which is it can very much be a platform. Yes. Yeah. Uh, great. Well, the book is called you should write a book and uh it's from our friends at a book apart uh i'll put a link to the page uh, we should we should note that as we're recording here in december uh it'll be out in february it will pre-orders open first thing in january got it great so uh head over there and um uh take a look and also uh where else should people go to learn more about youtube well, uh, they can they can buy my first book uh, if they want to learn about information architecture. It's called Everyday Information Architecture. It is available at bookapart.com. Um, I don't know. I think it's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> it's great. It's, it's for people who aren't information architects. It's for people who are just designers, developers, marketers, copywriters, people who just want to know a little bit more about what IA means in their web work. Um, so I, I suggest buying it. Um, and uh, if you want to follow me on social media, uh, most platforms I'm available at red sesame. Um, I'm not super prominent on Twitter these days, but you can, you can find me there. Uh, and I'm on Instagram and all that good stuff. How yeah, about you, Katel? Same, a book apart, um, everywhere on social, uh, at a book apart. And, uh, you can follow me too. I am almost non-existent on Twitter. <laughs> Pop in there every once in a while when I have a book to sell. It's a hellhole. <laughs> <laughs> bad place. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do, I do inhabit, uh, Instagram at the Ledoux, uh, and you can find lots of photos of my dog and soon lots of photos of books and our social media managers making me start to do reels. So there you go. <laughs> oh, there you go. Wow. Awesome. Well, uh, this has been a fantastic and inspiring conversation. So, uh, thanks to both of you for being on Thank the show. Thank you so much for having Thank us. You. Thanks. And that's another episode of Presentable. Hey, got any questions? You can email us at hello at presentable.fm or get in touch via Twitter by following Presentable FM. We hope you've really enjoyed the show. And if you do, could you take a moment and give us a rating on iTunes? It really helps and we'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jeffrey Dean and this was Presentable. Presentable.